Jesus is known not just for the statements he made, but for the questions he asked. Questions that challenge the religious and those who feel far from God. Questions that reveal his purpose and his plan. Questions that cut to the heart of our beliefs, our motives, and our identity. I wonder, how will you answer the questions Jesus asked? Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Glad that you're here. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. And whether you're in the room or online, we're just really glad that you're here. I want to say thank you for the amazing response to the weather winter shelter. Just an incredible response. And also want you to know we're still looking for a few more key volunteers in our kids' areas. Just great opportunities for you to be a blessing as we celebrate Blessing Month. And when we talk about blessing, there's a group of people in this room right now who have been a blessing to you, whether you know them or not. So I'm going to ask, because this is Veterans Day weekend, that if you are here in this room and have served in any branch of the United States military, we would like an opportunity to pay you respect and honor. So if you are a veteran, would you please stand to your feet right now so that we can say thank you to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have you ever had an awkward moment? If you said, no, never, you're lying in church, and that's awkward. So um, I found some of the most awkward moments I could find listed on the web by real people. One guy wrote, after flunking a job interview, really, really bad, I got up, shook everyone's hands, and walked into a clothes closet. I stayed there for a few minutes. <laughs> Leaving was awkward. One lady said, I tried on a coat of TJ Maxx. It was the coat of another customer trying on a coat. <laughs> I wondered why it was so warm, and I will never leave my house again. <laughs> One of my favorites, I bumped into a mannequin at a store and said, sorry. And then I said, oh, I thought you were a person. And I realized I was still talking to a mannequin. <laughs> One lady wrote, I went through a drive-thru to order food. A voice interrupted me from in front of my car that said, excuse me, ma'am, can you pull forward? You're talking into the garbage can. <laughs> Maybe you can relate to this one. I got into the passenger seat of the wrong car outside of Starbucks. The driver waited until I finished my phone call to tell me I was in the wrong car. And probably my favorite one, because I like words. I had an interview for a nanny position. I was told the job required light housekeeping. I replied, I've never kept a lighthouse before, <laughs> but I'm more than willing to try. Or the last one, my boss caught me sleeping at my desk. So I lifted my head slowly and said, amen. That <laughs> that's not awkward. That's genius, right? That's incredible. I remember an awkward moment that happened towards the beginning of the pandemic. Most of you won't remember this, but we used to do this crazy thing called hugging and shaking hands. Okay, I know it's kind of foreign to some of you, but uh, actually let's walk down that road for just a second. So one of my pastors asked me, Grant, when are we gonna start shaking hands again in church? So we're gonna do a quick poll. 9.30 blew my mind, so we're gonna find out what 11.15 wants. So how many of you want to start shaking hands again in church? How many of you are not interested in shaking hands with anyone that's interested? How many of you would shake hands if we installed hand sanitizer showers at the back of the room? All right, you guys are with me, all right? 
Just so everybody knows, you can actually make somebody feel very welcome with eye contact, a smile, and an amazing word. It's, hello, it actually works. You should try it sometimes. And I'm not going to rat out the handshaking advocate, but his initials are Pastor Brian Barron's, just so you know. And you either want to give Brian a hug now or you don't want him to. So at the end of the service, we might fist bump. I'm just saying that, okay? Back to my story. Towards the beginning of the pandemic, this whole concept of a personal greeting just got really messed up. Because instead of shaking hands and hugging people, people were tapping elbows, which was just weird, okay? Or, or toe tapping, which I think was just obnoxious. Anyway, I met a fellow pastor on the street. We see each other and normally we would walk up to each other and give each other a complete bro hug, right? So pull it in deep, little slap on the back. That's what guys do when they see each other in that way. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm walking towards my friend. I know him, he knows me. We're coming towards each other. We both like throw our arms out like we normally would do. And then we catch ourselves halfway through. And it's like, no. And we both dip, pass, come back completely around and end up looking like a, yeah, at each other. And then he tapped my toe with his foot and I am still scarred to this very, very day. We looked like surfing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that were square dancing, if you need a picture in your head, okay? It was awkward because neither one of us knew how to respond because everybody had changed all the rules. But this week, we're going to embrace an awkward moment that happens directly before Jesus asks a red letter question. In John chapter 13, if you want to follow along, the Bible says this, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. Some of your translations say he showed them the full extent of his love. And what follows next is a beautiful moment. It's a holy moment. They're, they're at dinner together. For Jewish people, the Passover meal is so full of meaning and hope and thankfulness. And Jesus knows something. This is going to be the last Passover meal he's going to celebrate with his closest circle of friends. And with that knowledge in the background, there's this awkward reality. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. It's dinner. It's sacred. It's holy, and there's a betrayer at the table. Jesus has full knowledge. One of his own is going to betray him. And before you judge, I want to remind all of us, we've all been the betrayer at the table. The Bible says, for all of sin fall short of the glory of God. So knowing that Judas would betray, that Peter wasn't far behind, that Thomas was about to deconstruct, and most of the rest of them were going to abandon him and disappear, instead of rebuking, condemning, lecturing, or abandoning his closest circle, Jesus actually steps into an awkward moment. Verse 3. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And we love the beauty of the moment, but can we just be honest? It was a little awkward. The rabbi, the teacher, God himself had taken on the job of the lowest ranking household servant and he was doing the job that his disciples would have thought was so beneath him. 
It's just like, no, Jesus, don't do that. that. That's not your role. You're supposed to sit elevated, not get down on your knees. When you arrived in an ancient Middle Eastern home after walking on a dirt path all day, your feet were covered in mud and dust and animal dung. It was not a pretty picture. And so your feet were washed out of respect for the homeowner. So a household servant would show up with a, with a towel and with a basin and they would wash your feet and it was demeaning work. That's exactly what Jesus did. He made a decision to humble himself and model what it looks like to really serve somebody. Come on, Carl. Need your help, bro. Carl did not know this was happening, and that's on purpose. Come and have a seat, brother. See, Carl and I have been through some stuff together. Tell him the truth, right, Wind? <laughs> We've been through some things together because this brother encourages and helps and prays and walks alongside me, and sometimes he'll send me a text right in the middle of a message because he sees that maybe there's something that's just a little bit off because he knows me that well. And We've been through life together. When Carl was in a massive car accident, I had an opportunity to come and to pray with my brother. And, and there's something very beautiful about this kind of proximity, but let's be honest, it can be a little awkward, right? Somebody that you know starts stripping off your socks and your shoes and you weren't prepared and nobody asked your permission. And suddenly, when you thought you were coming to church just to hang out in the second row, instead, you've got someone kneeling in front of you just saying, I appreciate your brotherhood and your friendship means so unbelievably much to me. And the story that God is doing in your life is actually powerful and it's meaningful. And because of that, because of all of the times when, when you decided to show up and, and serve a brother and a friend that now you get to sit on the receiving end of it. And it's kind of tough, right? But beautiful and good and that's exactly what Jesus did to his closest circle of friends. And I'm going to mess up your sock, and this is the awkward part of this too, but it comes with the package, right? Because there's something about somebody just kind of saying I'm comfortable enough with our friendship and with our brotherhood to know that this isn't going to be an awkward exchange, that it's actually going to be something beautiful once we get past that original piece of awkwardness. Jesus did this for you. He's doing it right now for you. The creator is taking a knee in front of the created in order for you to know just how precious you are. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a seat. Thank you.
Oh, dude. This was not a part of the plan. I knew I should have given him a memo. I thought I'd preach barefoot, but it just seems fitting, so. <laughs> How do you preach after that? For his followers, Jesus modeled humility and called them lower. He was reminding them that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to humble yourself and serve. Being a follower of Jesus means there's no job beneath you as long as it shows the love of Jesus to someone. Jesus wasn't calling his friends up an organizational chart. He wasn't calling them up a ladder of status and prestige. He wasn't calling them into the upper echelon of notoriety and fame. No, he was calling them to the beauty and the humility of godly service. Jesus calls us all lower in posture into a place where we pray, where we serve, where we meet God in the full extent of his love. And as I can bear witness right now, it's overwhelming. Jesus humbled himself. And I wish the story kind of stopped here, but it doesn't. In fact, what comes next is a pretty awkward confrontation. You can imagine Jesus has washed the feet of Philip and Nathaniel and, and John, and, and now he comes to Simon Peter, and the Bible says in verse 6, he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, 
Those who've had a bath need not only to wash their feet, their whole body is clean and you're clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that's why he said not everyone was clean. This is a tough moment and I love Peter's passion so much. Peter was so all in. His declarations weren't awkward. They were bold. They were also false. I admire his passion. I do. Jesus, I can't let you do that. Like uh, I should be washing your feet. The feet that walked on water, the feet that walked right up to a blind man and then healed him, the, the, the feet that I followed when I gave up everything that I knew. Jesus, I'm not comfortable with this, but, but if, you, if you do want to wash my feet, let's do it this way. Start at the top of my head, work to my hands, go all the way down. Let's turn this foot washing into a baptism. Peter's so committed, but I want to remind you of something. Judas is not the only betrayer. And just like Peter, we can be so committed one second and so not committed the next moment. These words must have been a little awkward as Peter professes his love. Why were they awkward? Because Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew Peter was going to betray, he was going to run, he was going to hide, and then he was going to be found and restored. And I would so love to preach that message, but it's next week. Okay. And here's the red letter question. Verse 12, when he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Here comes the question. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. Jesus said, do, do, do you get it? Do you understand how deep my love runs for you? Do you understand all that I have done for you? So, to my spiritual friends and family, I want to ask the same question. Do you understand what Jesus has done and is doing for you right now? Because if you have forgotten any of it, I'd like to just share definitively with all of the passion I can muster so that we walk out of here going, I know exactly what Jesus did for me and that changes everything. Are you ready? Here it goes. Jesus came. First Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We're heading towards Christmas where we're going to celebrate that Jesus came and dwelt amongst us for a while. We're going to celebrate the birth of a king. He came to know you. He came to save you. He came to wash your feet. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Christmas was meant for you. Jesus came and then Jesus lived a perfect life so that he could be a perfect sacrifice. Second Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus lived perfectly so we could be forgiven completely. He lived and then he died. First Peter chapter 2, he himself bore our sin in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus died and in giving his life, Jesus paid a debt that you could never pay. He canceled your debt of sin that would keep you separated from God and instead he brought you back to life in him. Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ he forgave us all of our sin, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Everything that you've ever done, everything that I've ever done that broke God's heart was nailed to the cross when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Forgive Grant. Forgive all of them. And then he forgave, wiped your sin away, washed your soul as white as snow, gave you and gave me what we did not deserve. Psalm 103. 
He did not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And he's not done yet. He's just getting started. Then he adopted us into his family. Galatians 4 to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons and daughters. God sent you the spirit of his son into our hearts, a spirit who calls out Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you an heir. If you needed good news today, you're like, you are an heir of the promise that God has given. And can I tell you something? God owns everything. And your name's on the will. Your name is on the will. He redeemed you. He bought you back, poured out grace and mercy on you. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And because of his great and finished work, Jesus released you from the bondage of sin and restored your life and your hope because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5, 1. That's good Bible. Someone should say amen. Now, we know that he has done so much for us and is calling us into humble servanthood. And then he says this. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. It's almost like you read ahead in the text, bro. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very, I truly, I, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, here it comes. You will be blessed if you do them. If. If you go home this afternoon and offer an olive branch in a relationship that's been broken for far too long, God says it doesn't matter how they respond to your olive branch, you will be blessed. If you see the need of a brother or sister and instead of turning away and going about your life because you're really, really, really busy, if you actually turn towards them and see a need and actually meet it, God says you may not understand it, but you will be blessed. It might surprise you, but about once a quarter, a large number of pastors from Whatcom County gather to pray and worship. It's beautiful. We actually call it pastors praying for pastors. The only thing that we ask when they walk in the door is that they understand the rules, and there's really one important rule. You don't pray for your own church. You pray for somebody else's, and it's beautiful. A few years ago, we actually had a foot washing at a pastor's praying for pastor's time, and but 80 pastors were there and we had water and towels and as the water flowed, here's what got washed away. There was, there was confession, there was competition that just disappeared, there was, there was some kind of ranking system that we had imposed on ourselves and it all just got washed away in a wave of confession and transparency and honor and as God showed up, the walls of pride and insecurity came down and the grace of Jesus was flooding everywhere. And it was humbling. I got to wash feet. My feet were washed. And 
And we got to live in this moment as Jesus said, nobody's greater than me. And if I can get down on my knees and serve my own creation, so can you. And you'll never know the difference it makes. One of the ways we wash the feet of our community is by meeting real needs. All throughout the month of November, we're going to be talking about the blessing. This little green envelope is somebody else's miracle. And as I say every year, I hope you never ever need the CTK blessing because if you have to receive something, it means you've been through crisis and trauma. Hope you never need it. But if you ever do, I hope some of your brothers and sisters will have stepped up and said, I'm going to be generous with my time and my talent and my treasure and I'm going to do something because I just want to help somebody's need be met. The blessing is God's invitation to partner with him in impacting the world through three ways. Here's what we do. We give our time, we share our money, and we stick with it over a long period of time. We've been doing the blessing for more than, or for 20 years. When it started, it was one person who wanted to give away oil changes to single moms so they didn't have to do all the maintenance on their cars. That's how it started. And God took that simple offering from a friend named Glenn, and he started multiplying it. Has anybody else noticed that God has a has kind of this thing about multiplying things. Like, he just does that, right? What started in 2007 has been multiplied. So in 2007, we started with one tiny little plot of land because we had a passion and a mission. Our mission was simply this. We believed that as long as we were here as a church, that no one should go to bed hungry in Whatcom County, if we could say anything about it. So we started giving away food. From a small garden patch to acres of planted land, from a team of a dozen volunteers to a team of over 100, from a food bank that reached about 100 families a week to a food share model that now partners with 20-plus organization to reach hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of families. The blessing has just grown and grown and grown. And what's so beautiful about it is that we actually partner with other community groups to do things that they're really good at. And we provide love and support and we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our partners with our partners. Well, some of them wanted an opportunity to say thank you to you. And if you need to make me to make this really personal, I will. On Tuesday, I'm leaving. The Bellingham Food Bank is set up in our, in our parking lot As I'm leaving, this car pulls up in front and the window rolls down and there is a CTK family inside and there are tears already flowing and they said, Grant, please tell our church thank you. We never thought we'd be here. And it was. It was a brutal accident that actually put their family in the situation they're in. But every Tuesday they come and get enough food for several days. And they know who it came from. It's their family, right? They wanted to say thank you. And some of our partners wanted to say thank you too. Let's take a look at this. Open Hands is a ministry of Calvary Creekside out in Everson. And we've been given an awesome opportunity to um, help kids in Whatcom County that maybe have little to no food on the weekends. So we send home bags of food to these kids. The Lord is using all kinds of people, like he's using Christ the King, he's using different businesses throughout the county and individuals. So it's, I mean, we really like, it's beautiful. It's totally Jesus. 
When there's an opportunity to work with an organization like Christ the King, Food Share and Farm, organizations like Bellingham Food Bank have the opportunity to work with the growers to figure out what is really needed and when it's most needed. Without the benefit of donors who see the value in this work, families that we serve would not have the access to fresh, healthy food that they couldn't otherwise afford. One of the reasons why we started the program was because these kids were getting breakfast and lunch at school, but then during spring break, you know, they wouldn't have a food source. So this is just helping them have food during, during the breaks. Meals on Wheels is an organization that helps feed seniors um, healthy, nutritious meals anywhere from uh, five to seven days a week, depending on the client's needs, to the people who are working out in the farms. That job is just such a difficult job, and it's, it's an amazing job. Thank you very much for um, donating your time and your patience. Um, you really are making a difference in this community. These are people who are low income who are falling through the cracks anyway, uh, as far as their what they what they make and what they can spend on food. So this is a huge help to them. The food that you offer is quality, good food, and there's usually a call on the front end saying, "What specifically do you need this week?" You guys are are on top of it as far as trying to give not just anything but what we need. Every single one of those relationships has taken years to actually grow into where it is today. And the reason they've grown is because some of you have sown in so many different ways. Some of you come and help out at the farm once or twice during the summertime, and we're so grateful. Some of you give generously to the blessing. That's how we actually buy seeds and natural fertilizer and gas for the van and the rest of the stuff that it takes to produce tons of fresh food. But without the faithfulness of our volunteer leadership team and the core volunteers who see it through year after year after year, we never would have been able to walk through all of the doors that have been opened. And so I want to say thank you to that group of people as well. This year was a challenging year. If you remember, we had a very wet, cold spring, and then it got really hot really fast. So like never before, our garden volunteers had to work for every single pound. I mean, they worked unbelievably hard and it was because of their ingenuity that actually, in spite of a difficult growing summer, they still raised and gave away 86,000 pounds of fresh produce, which I think is just a beautiful gift to our community. So as you were walking in today, there was a couple of ways that you can get involved if you want to. One of the ways that you can get involved, if you want to see more of what God's doing out at the farm, you can follow us on Facebook. If you want to stay in the loop, you can sign up for the monthly director's report. If you'd like to contribute, you can shop for our item of the month, which is over by our community partnership board in the comments, and you can bring it in and leave it in the comments. We'll make sure that it gets to people who need it, or you can give financially using this little envelope right here, or by choosing Bellingham Blessing when you give online. If you don't like paper and you like people... There's a group of volunteers who are going to be standing in our commons. When you shake their hand, you may notice that they've got a little dirt underneath of their nails. I think that's beautiful because that's a picture of how much they love our community and want to change the face of food insecurity right here at home. 
So as we get ready to wrap up, I want you to see one more awkward moment from John chapter 13. The blessing that we receive when we actually meet somebody else's need is conditional. Jesus said, you will be blessed in the context of foot washing. You will be blessed in the context of loving another human being. You will be blessed in the context of seeing a need and actually meeting it if you do something. Last week I read those scriptures to you. Whatsoever you have done to the least of these, you did to me. Jesus actually flips it over in the same passage. He says, and all the things you didn't do, you didn't do for me. You will be blessed if you do them. When we sacrifice, there's a blessing. I can't explain it to you. It's just the way that it works. When we go out of our way to meet a need, God shows up and blesses. We don't give in order to get. We give because he gave. He gave. All that he has done for you, Jesus has already done. So here's my challenge. Physically and metaphorically, whose feet can you wash this week? What teacher who's impacted your child's life can you show up and bless with a word of encouragement or a hot cup of coffee? What neighbor can you show up on the doorstep and say, look, I noticed you haven't been out and around. How can I help you? In what way can you wash the feet of someone that God's put right in front of you, knowing that not only will they be blessed, but you will be blessed as well? How can you be someone else's miracle this week? My prayer is that each and every one of us will take the invitation of Jesus to change the if you do them into a, I will do them. When that happens, God multiplies. And when God multiplies, communities are changed. When communities are changed, nations are changed. And when nations are changed, worlds are changed. And it starts with us. Today. As we wash the feet of the people that God has placed right in our path. So 11.15, I'm going to ask you to do me, or I'm going to ask if you'll do me a favor, if you'd stand with me right now. Because I would love to pray with you and for you as you get ready to enter your mission field this week. May the God of all peace, the God of all comfort, and the God of all courage walk with my friends from the 11.15 service as they wash the feet of those that God places in front of them this week. God, whether it's with an encouraging word, an act of kindness, or a deep and grand sacrifice, God, may they know the power that they have acting in the name of Jesus, and may the community know the full extent of our love. So God, use us to create a beautiful space, a humble space, of love and service this week. And we pray these things in the power of Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And because some of you are ready to do this and others of you aren't, turn around and fist bump at least five people and make sure they know that they're welcome. God bless you guys.